0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name is John, and this is r slash tales from tech support. Trying something a little bit different today. I don't have the headphones on because after a while, they kind of hurt my ears. Uh, not even sure why. I don't think I have that big of an ear where the headphone's going to make it uncomfortable, but this is kind of a cheap set here. It's, you know, maybe 50 bucks. Sound quality's great, but uh, yeah, the rest of it, not so much. Anyway, very special day today. Every story in today's video is from a listener like you. Oh, that sounds like PBS. Anyway, um, so you guys have contributed these, and it's not even all of them. I have a few more that I got to pluck out from my emails. But uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys letting me read these uh, on the channel, and uh, hope everybody enjoys. So if you want to contribute your own stories to the channel here for me to read, not on air. I don't know. My brain's fried. Anyway, if you want me to read your stories and you want to contribute directly, the easiest way is to email them to me at whosyourunclellc at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, send them to me. We'll check it out. And if it's not something to NSFW, then uh, we'll go ahead and read it. And if I flub up a lot with my noises and things like that, mouth noises, I don't have my headphones on, so I can't always catch it. Hopefully it won't be too annoying. And uh, if it doesn't work well, then I'll go back to wearing headphones on the next video. All right, let's get to it. Lessons to Learn from Gregor I'm not formally tech support, but sometimes I help my coworkers with tech stuff. This is a story from when I had problems myself about three years ago. My work computer was about eight years old and I needed a replacement as my processing power demands increased. I build my own computers for personal use from parts, so I provide my own specifications for CPU, RAM, SSD, HDD, etc. for the work computer. A few weeks later, the computer arrives and I get to use it. Our suppliers assemble the PCs and they must test that the components are working and compatible. I install the OS and it works, so the PC's okay, right? It seems to work until I try a program I wrote myself in C++ to process some data. I forget what exactly it was. I run the program and get a segmentation fault, but the program worked on my old work PC. What? I check the source code and find no errors. I try the program again and it works. I try the program again, it fails. And again, and again, but not at the same place. I also notice some weird behavior with other programs. Wait, is it a memory problem? Damn. Lesson one learned. Don't trust suppliers that the components and their compatibility are tested really, really thoroughly. The program is small with about hundred lines of code, but it processed a large amount of data and therefore needs RAM, lots of RAM, at least for a PC, somewhere in the 10 to 20 gigabyte range. I run memtests and get no errors. I go home and try the program on my personal computer, same OS I installed both times myself, same motherboard, same generation CPU, A little different RAM, same compiler for the C++ program, etc. It works. Put the RAM from the work computer to the home computer, segmentation fault error. Test the work RAM in my home computer with MemTest. Errors. What? I also put the RAM from my home computer in my work computer and it works. There was also a bunch of other testing. It's a while ago and I don't remember the exact details. After an entire day going between RAMs and computers, I noticed one thing. I tested the RAM with the MemTest 86, but with different versions. I have one at home and one at work. Oh, so the newer version catches more errors, right? Nope, it was the older version that reported the errors. Lesson number two learned, don't trust only one version of memtest. So I have four sticks of eight gigabyte RAM. Which one is bad? I test them one by one and get no errors. What? Two by two, no errors. All four sticks, errors. So I check the exact RAM model and it's the one that I ordered. So why did I order this model? I usually use the Configurator webpage from a retailer in my country. When I select the motherboard, it gives me a list of compatible RAM. So I select one. But this time I go to the web page of the motherboard manufacturer and find the compatibility chart. I find the model of my RAM on the list. Okay, but then I look at the right of the page and see two checkmarks, not three. What are the checkmarks? They tell you if the motherboard is compatible with this RAM if you're using one, two, or four sticks. So it's not compatible. Damn! Remove two sticks and have only 16GB for a while. Oh well. Lesson 3 learned. Don't trust web configurators. So why different RAMs? As I said, I built my own computers from parts I ordered. I did this several months before this story. My home computer has a fancy case with a transparent side, so I selected memory sticks with LEDs because, well, fancy lights. My home computer always worked okay. When I put the specifications for my new work computer together, it was a different case with no window, as it'll be under the desk right next to a fixed drawer, so no point in having a window. Therefore, no point in having fancy lights inside. That's the reason I selected a different model. Lesson number four learned. Fancy lights equals good. I had to put the headphones back on for two reasons. One, I'm kind of a mush mouth in these videos anyway. Uh, I've been working on my speech patterns and my enunciation. And while I do pretty well for the most part, I know that I'm a mush mouth. And when I don't have headphones on where I can hear myself and monitor my speech live, I tend to get worse. So I don't know if you noticed a difference after the first few slides, but uh, at some point I had to put them back on and it also feels weird not to be able to hear myself speak when i'm speaking into the room speaking to you guys all i can hear is the hum of the air conditioner right behind me so uh yeah as for the story i you know i've had fairly decent luck with web configurators but i haven't built a ton of pcs some i've thrown together out of junk parts that i bought from you know flea markets and ebay but um You know, like I have my my tower here, and I've showed you guys early, early on. It's a, how do I put this? It's a gaming PC. It's a pre-built gaming PC from a company that's known for sometimes questionable performance. I'm not a gamer, so I'm not really up to date on, you know, performance specs compared to what games you're playing and things like that. Uh, You know, I don't get into the nitty gritty too much like that. I do not overclock. I have overclocked in the past just messing around, but it was useless because I didn't need it. This one has its own standalone GPU and stuff, but, and it holds more RAM and the processor will still only hold so much RAM, you know, or utilize so much RAM. I think I've got 32 gig in this, which I'll probably never be able to use it all because of the processor I have. So anyway, plenty of cooling fans. We don't hear them in the video most of the time. We used to in one of my old rooms, but have you guys ever had luck with the configurators or do you just know what you're doing and? You know, or go with the manufacturer's recommended, like, highest rated part for whatever. Uh, let me know down below. The Superflex Saga from Sean. Ooh, boy, do I have a story of intrigue, deception, and anti-consumer and anti-business practices for you. You may edit this as you see fit, but uh, try to keep the spirit of the story alive, okay? Brand names and product names have been slightly edited where necessary to avoid potential legal issues or whatever. A month or so ago, I was inspired by a certain YouTube channel out of Texas, formerly New York City, who does tech rants, usually with a black cat in his chair, sometimes he throws a keyboard. Wait a minute, who's got a black cat and throws keyboards? Let me know down below. My goal from the outset was to highlight certain anti-consumer and anti-business behavior on the part of a particular major PC manufacturer. We will call them Smell. If you get the reference, you might be in my age range, maybe. So I bought a Smell Superflex 7010 Micro PC for the purposes of making a video on how to avoid Smell's anti-consumer and anti-business shenanigans that they run with their PC configurator. Oh, here we go, PC configurators. Video is still in the works, but whatever. Well I got the Superflex in and it seems to work as intended with the 8GB of RAM and paltry 256GB SSD it came with, literally the lowest possible configuration, and it still costs like $700 US. But I got this thing for a reason. To call out Smell and call them out I shall. I looked at their configuration thing. I looked at the equipment I got. I looked at their user guide. I noticed inconsistencies off the bat. That's why I picked this up in the first place. To turn a Smell Superflex 7010 Micro into a Smell Superflex 7010 Nitro. I found all the parts I would need too. 64 gigabyte of DDR4 RAM, a two terabyte NVMe SSD, a four terabyte SATA SSD, All one would need to push it to the limit. And first attempt with 64GB of RAM, no boot. It gave a blink code for invalid RAM installed. I checked the specs of the installed RAM and the RAM it came with and immediately noticed a discrepancy. 1.35 versus 1.2 volts. Okay, I thought to myself, just need to get 1.2 volts RAM and it should work just fine. Then the Morgan Freeman voiceover said, but it would not be just fine. That was a horrible Morgan Freeman, I know. Anyway. I ended up calling Smell Tech Support directly to ask what was up with this memory issue. They said they could only support memory purchase directly through them. Little did they know I looked at their store ahead of time thanks to a poster in a previous video. I just told them, right, and spend 48 times the memory's value getting it through you, I'll pass. I'll also let the internet know of your anti-consumer and anti-business practices. So, last ditch effort, having sunk 200 plus USD into the RAM alone, I decided maybe using their store in a way they had not intended was a better option. So I found the latest memory module they offered and scraped the manufacturer model number off that. Within minutes of basic search engine usage, I found a single memory module that would, at least in theory, work. The model numbers matched and the cost per module was a quarter what Smell would have me paying. So now the machine is running with 64GB of RAM, no thanks to Smell. And don't even get me started on what I had to do to get a SATA SSD in this thing. That involved taking a Dremel to an incompatible mounting bracket, but I'll cover that in my own video. So first thing, who's the tech guy that does rants with a black cat and throws keyboards? Uh, let me know down below. I'd be interested in going checking out his videos. Second of all, OP, you make videos. What's your channel? If you're brave enough or, you know, want to get into all that stuff, let me know, man. I'd like to put it on the channel. I mean, I'm sure you don't need any help from a little channel like me, but I'd still like to share the link uh, because I like I like sharing, you know. I think it's nice to be able to kick people over to channels that are interesting and uh, prove points, you know, especially with anti-business practices and things like that. And then here we go with the configurator again. So, okay, don't trust web configurators. Got it. That's two stories in a row. So I'm sold on that thought. The question is, if you don't intuitively know these parts inside and out, who do you trust? Do you just go with somebody that's already done the trial and error for you and, you know, hope for the best and keep buying stuff until, you know, you've either burnt your machine up or you get a working combination? How does that work? So anyway, and then onto the Dremel thing with the computer tower. I've had that in the past with some computer towers that claim they're supposed to hold a certain motherboard with its, you know, usual components. Come to find out that the mounting spots for the motherboard are not quite right. And then, uh, you know, you might be lucky to jam two fans in there if you're lucky. And uh, I think what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to make an industrial, maybe steampunk style computer case if I ever build my own. Uh, It's nice to have a pre-done case, but at the same time, I'd kind of like to Frankenstein something together and see what happens. So, that might be something for the future. Slow Computer from The Mad Hobbit I did PC tech service many years ago. This happened to a friend who was also in the same field. After a four-day Thanksgiving weekend, he gets a ticket about a computer running slow, then goes to the computer, which is an Intel 486, 66 MHz, and does a few checks including BIOS and speed checks, And finds nothing wrong he ran virus checks and a few other programs and finds nothing talking with the user she says it feels really slow he takes down some info including the system serial number goes back to his desk and goes to dell's website and checks out the specs of the computer i have a feeling this is the same one from the last story same company anyway allegedly then goes back to the user and her boss says i got good news and bad news the good news is there's nothing wrong with the computer the bad news is someone over the weekend swapped CPUs in the computer and replaced the 486 66 megahertz with a 486 33 megahertz CPU. Wow. So that was why it felt slower. It was like having a V8 in your car and then someone snuck a 4-cylinder in its place. <laughs> oh my god. So, okay, is a 33 megahertz really half the speed of a 66? I mean, I know it's half the number. I get that part. And in most cases, logic would tell me that, you know, Just like a 400-cubic-inch engine is twice the horsepower, in theory, of a 200-cubic-inch engine. I, I get it, but is that how it works in computers, too? I feel like I've heard that RAM is, you know, when you double your RAM, you're not just doubling your speed. Like, it's actually going higher, so I don't know. Half of this stuff confuses me anyway. Some days it's a wonder that I can even survive out in the world by myself and, you know, find my way home. And so, who knows? And uh, with everything that I said about, you know, the company from this story being possibly the same as the one from the last story as fact boy, Simon Whistler would say, allegedly. Thanks, Simon. I'm stealing that one. The universe hates me from Russell. A very long time ago, I was a sysadmin at a company somewhere. This was long enough ago. I don't remember the company and it's not important. <laughs> it's funny. One day I encountered an issue. It was a mystery. A program on a Linux machine I was working on stopped working. It was a system program, think CP or RM, can't remember the exact one. I needed to use and it kept crashing. I spent a couple hours trying to figure out what was going on. I compared the binary against the one in the RPM, it exactly matched. I compared all the libraries on the disk against their RPMs, they matched too. Everything was perfect, no one had hacked the server, everything was pristine, and yet a program just stopped working. So in Linux, there's a slash proc file, whatever, you can write to to invalidate the cache. Linux caches almost everything it uses into memory, and those caches persist until there's a reason to invalidate them. I invalidated the cache. It reloaded the file from disk, and the problem went away. Everything was fine again. My theory? A random cosmic ray from a star a long way away flipped the random bit in memory and broke the computer I was using, causing me to waste several hours trying to figure out what the heck was going on. As much proof as I've ever had that the universe hates me. Yes, a reboot would have fixed it too, but what's the fun in that? (laughs) So, (laughs) the old have you tried turning it off and on again thing didn't come into play here? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know enough about Linux or computers to even actually comment on that. Uh, Except that I've had issues before where I feel like the universe is definitely conspiring against me somehow. My biggest thing, it's funny, I can get computers working better than I can small engines, and I've been working with small engines way longer. I'm talking, you know, lawnmowers, backpack blowers, weed whackers, chainsaws, things like that. They'll run great for about 10 minutes, and then I go to start it again. It can be brand new, or right out of the shop even, running perfectly, tuned perfectly, everything, and then, you know, after, you know, a couple minutes or a half hour use, it craps out and it won't start again, or if it starts, it runs really bad. And it doesn't matter what gas I put in it. If it's, you know, old gas, new gas, uh, non ethanol gas, high test, whatever additives, you name it. And the damn thing just won't start and run right. And it just makes me nuts, man. I have better luck working on modern computerized car engines than I do working on small engines. And you would think in theory that they'd be easier. They're small. There's still a lot of parts to them. I mean, it's still an internal combustion engine, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, really, air, spark, fuel, hello? I mean, it just shouldn't be that hard. But, you know, that's just my luck. I'm the born loser when it comes to small engines. The Ultimate Sacrifice from At Duga or Doug A whatever, 7952. I work in retail. The warehouses in the stores are cold in the winter and hot in the summer. One nice winter day, I got a call that the computer wouldn't come on. When I got to the store, I found an ancient space heater plugged into the battery side of the UPS. After checking everything, I found that the computer had selflessly given its life to protect the UPS. <laughs> the UPS was unaffected. Computer had blown a motherboard. So, again, I know essentially what a UPS does, and I've used them before in small settings, like a small office, you know, like a small two-man office, things like that, A uh, church, soundboard setup. We had a UPS set up for our PC, and it was pretty straightforward, you know. You plug the UPS in so that it's got its trickle charge, whatever, and then you plug your important item into the UPS, making sure that you have a big enough UPS for the unit that you're working with, which back then really didn't have much power draw. And uh, that was it. Very rarely, but it did happen one time, did we ever have anybody plug anything into the UPS, we had plenty of outlets around the walls in the sound booth, which they shouldn't even been in the sound booth, but at least there was enough outlets that before you got to the UPS, you just should have found an empty outlet receptacle on the wall. So, uh, But one time it did happen, and we basically ended up getting some chicken wire and building a cage around this thing. Yes, chicken wire. Anyway, building a cage around this thing to keep people's grubby mitts off of the internals of any of the equipment and the UPS, so... I told him it should have been a closed-in booth with, uh, with locking doors, but that just wasn't part of the plan when they built it, I guess. Too Much Power draw from Paul I worked for a large international consultancy firm that had taken me to the USA for a short while, but now I'm asked to attend a site in Reading, England. When I get there, it's cold as the heating has failed and some people are coming in fitting space heaters to warm the place up. It's icy outside, so definitely cold. Now I know enough about electrical things to know you don't stick a space heater into the 5 amp sockets that we had on the desks as the heater will draw up to 13 amps. So I tell the person doing this who I assumed would have enough sense to not even consider it in the first place. What does he do? Of course he ignores me and plugs it into the desk and when he switches it on it pops the fuse exactly as I said it would. Thankfully the sockets were individually fused so it would have been an easy fix but it was an inconvenience for me. Then they had to find the accessible floor sockets which were all 13 amp and the heaters worked. Not surprisingly, perhaps, these workers didn't say another word to me after I'd been proven right. I could understand the average person with a desk receptacle not understanding the amperage difference. I probably wouldn't even think about it. Uh, I would think, okay, it's plugged into the wall somewhere, so it's probably I'm probably safe plugging things into it. But if somebody told me, I'd definitely look into it at that point. I wouldn't just, you know, poo-poo them and dismiss it because that's just silly. Because there's always a very good chance, very, very good chance that I'm wrong. So why not at least research it and find out? But everybody else thinks they know better and they don't want to be bothered, you know, taking five extra minutes to go looking for the proper receptacle. So they will just plug it into the one on the desk. All right, guys, that's it for the stories today. Hope you enjoyed them. Until the next one, we'll see you.